I think tonight this text really serves as a window into not only who Jesus is and what He has come to do, but it also gives an incredibly clear picture, I think, of what RUF at TCU is really about. I think this is very helpful tonight for you to get a picture of what we're trying to do on this campus. So um, I just maybe want to start by telling you a few little vignettes about the... uh, about my summer. Um, they're not really that awesome, but they're, they're pretty fun. So y'all, if you stuck around us long enough, you know that there's a theme in our house with our twins. Um, our little three-year-old, Evangeline, had a moment this summer, which was pretty fun. Um, she was at the table, we were eating dinner, and then all of a sudden, she just began to break down crying. She was going ballistic. And she was saying, My fork! My fork! Daddy, my fork! I mean, she was having an absolute come apart uh, because, uh, and she needed to find this fork because she needed to continue to spread spaghetti or whatever it was all over the table, but she couldn't find it. So she was upset. There was a deep problem for her until her super father, superhero father swooped in and told her that her fork was in her hand. (laughs) There it was right in front of her, but she couldn't see it. You know, I think this is also uh, pretty true, too. I don't know as a kid, I, uh, I loved baseball. I loved growing up playing baseball. And I collected baseball cards. And while I wasn't really a fan of the Milwaukee Brewers, um, I always loved uh, their old school logo. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. If you're from Milwaukee or the upper Midwest and you're familiar with it, but there it is. It's a baseball glove. Now, this is what's really interesting. I did not know this till this summer, okay, that the letters M and B for the Milwaukee Brewers are in the logo. Have y'all ever seen that? Holy moly, right? Because you're from Minnesota and you should know that. Isn't that crazy? I know, I'm just saying. But I never knew that. There it is. If you've ever seen the FedEx logo, you know the white arrow as well. Okay? So, there it is. I'll show it to you for those of you that still can't see it. M, Milwaukee, B Brewers, okay? There it is, Milwaukee Brewers. So, this out this summer. That uh, one of the things that's historic in the early part of the 20th century, you might know, was the, um, was the Titanic sinking. Nobody ever thought that this big old ship was ever going to rip apart and sink. They thought it was actually unsinkable. And as you know, it did sink, but what was happening in the news reports afterwards was that sources said that there was a way that everybody on that boat could have been saved. Everybody could have been saved. And people are like, what? what?" Well, just like, there was, you know, they could have called out SOS. They did that. Um, They, you know, they could have better used the lifeboats. Well, yeah, but there was something actually more obvious. The the news reports reported that um, it was actually, they, they saw their rescue. It was right in front of their face, but they couldn't see it. It was the very thing that caused the ship to sink. It was the iceberg. Many said the ship was still navigable and could within that three-hour period have had people escorted to the iceberg itself to have the rescue boat that was a mere three or four hours away to come rescue every, every person on that boat. Isn't that crazy? The answer was literally right in front of them. It's amazing, isn't it? That we can be, maybe you've had this, you're looking for your keys, right? You're looking for something and it's right there in front of your nose and you not see it. Sometimes the things that we're looking for, and 
the things that we need most even, you can't really see. Well, listen, why start here tonight? Because I think that this text that we read deals uh, with us. It shows us, among other things, men who were seeking to see. They were seeking answers to some of life's greatest questions. These men, Andrew and Simon and Philip and Nathaniel, they had profound questions about who God was and what He was up to in the world. I mean, I've got these big questions. I want to know if my kids are going to be okay. I want to know if I'm going to be loved, if I'm going to be accepted. I want to know if my friends are going to enjoy me. I want to know how evil can exist in this world that God has made good. And I bet you have those questions too, right? I mean, have you ever wondered why a loved one has died? Then you're wrestling with the big questions. Have you ever asked that girl out and she said no? Then ask why not? Or have you ever wondered why he doesn't ask you out? And <laughs> wonder why not? Well, then you're wrestling with the big questions of life. And I just want you to see that all of us at some point in our life are faced with that. Listen, here's what I want you to see. That is with those two themes in mind. This first theme of that we're longing for the big questions in life to be answered. And secondly, that we often can't see the answers to those profound questions, even though they might be right in front of our face. It's for those reasons that John extends an invitation tonight. He says these three words, Come and see. Come, because why? Because we don't know where to look. And see, because we're blind. You see, here's what I'm trying to say, is that John is writing the entirety of this Gospel that people might see Jesus, and that by seeing Him, they might know Him. Because knowing or not knowing Him, listen to me y'all, is the most important question that you will ever answer in your life. John will go on to say this later in his Gospel. Look what he says there. He says, he says, I am writing this very letter to you that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing that you may have life in His name. So I just simply ask you, what about you? Where do you look to to find the answers to some of life's hardest questions? And, 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 and here you go. How would you know if you're actually seeing? You see? How would you know if you're actually seeing? The invitation tonight is to come and see. And John shows us very plainly that we are invited to come and see. Here we go. A person. That we're invited to come and see our objections and then finally, to come and see that we have been sought and seen. I'll say this again. It's an invitation tonight to come and see a person. To come see your objections. And then lastly, to come see that you have been sought and seen. So that's what we're going to look at tonight. And my hope is, is that not only that you will see what John is saying, but that you will see how RUF seeks to provide you a place where that can happen for you at TCU. So let's begin with the who, right? This person. Come and see a person. That's what John is saying. Well, you saw it there, right? That our scene opens up with a man named John the Baptist and his followers. John the Baptist was a teacher whose message was one of getting people ready for the Messiah who was to come. Well, one day he is sitting there and Jesus walks by and John the Baptist points at that man, Jesus, and he says, look, there he is, the Lamb of God. 
Now, that's very, very interesting because they ask his followers who are there with John the Baptist, say, who is this guy and where are you staying? Jesus responds, come and you will see. And now, later in that story, these exact same words are used. Later, goes out and finds a man named Philip. And in turn, Philip goes out and finds a man named Nathaniel. And then at that point, Philip says to Nathaniel, basically, listen, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets wrote about, Jesus of Nazareth. Listen, why is that so important? This is saying that what ought to be sought in Christianity is a person. In other words, if you want to understand what God is like and what He has done, you have to start with the person of Jesus. If you want to understand what God thinks of you, if you want to understand what God thinks of the world that He has made, if you want to understand what God is actually up to in making people new again, you must begin with the person of Jesus. These men were searching for answers to life's most profound questions. And here we see John putting on display a person, the person of Jesus of Nazareth. The Apostle Paul, he later mentions this in one of his letters. He says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. If you've ever looked into a mirror, what do you see? You see a reflection. But another name for that is an image. It's a representation of you. And that is exactly what the Bible says Jesus is. If you want to look at God, you have to see through Jesus. Because if you want to understand what God is like, Jesus is the person that you must look at. Listen, in other words, what this is saying is, is that to start with Christianity means that you must encounter a person. Now, this is very, very important. Think about it like this. When Laura, my wife, and I were first starting to go on a date, I was sort of finding out all this information out about her. You know, I want to know what she was like. I want to know what she enjoyed. And so a few things I found out. Ready? Here we go. I don't know if these are still true, and sweetie, my memory might be a little bit off here, so hang with me on this. I needed a good story, I'm just playing. Actually, I did, but here we go. Um, I knew that uh, on our, one of our first dates, Laura liked a pizza place in St. Louis called Dewey's, and so I made sure to take her there, right? And, uh, uh, and also, I knew about that time that uh, John Mayer had put out his Continuum album, and she liked listening to that as well, okay? And so I was like, ah, you know, maybe I should like have that playing in the car or something like that. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't remember exactly, but, uh, you know, maybe she liked roses or something like that. And, and, and let's say that I'd gotten her some roses or whatever. Now, what's really, really interesting is this. What if I w somebody would have asked me and said, so did you, did you, did you, did you take her out? Like, did you get to go on a date with her? And I was like, I got John Mayer CD playing. I went to Dewey's. I got her some flowers. And it was amazing. It was amazing. And then somebody said, yeah, but did you actually pick her up and take her out on a date? I was like, no, I didn't do that. But I did everything else around it. Why is that so humorous? Because this, I've not encountered the person. I'm doing all the stuff around, I may be doing exactly what she likes, but I've not encountered the person. And I'm trying to get you to see that for you to begin in Christianity, Christianity always starts with you encountering a person. It does not mean, therefore, hang with me, you do not start with 
a list of rules to follow. It is not a moral performance program where you sort of clean your act up and hope that your good outweighs your bad and then God might have something to do with you. It's actually not even about being the most accepting person in the room and trying to live out this code of ethics to get God to love you. The way Christianity begins, what John is saying, is that it begins by encountering a person. And that means encountering the person of Jesus. Listen, y'all, I think this is huge because the more and more that I have sat around students with TCU and talked to them, they miss the invitation to come see Jesus. And they think Christianity is about X. It's about the roses, right? It's about uh, cleaning up my act. I'll ask them, so are you a Christian? And they'll say something like this, if you were in Frog's first worship on Saturday, Sunday, I said it. They'll say, well, I'm trying. I'm trying to be a Christian. And at that point, they have revealed that they don't understand what Christianity is about. Because Christianity is not really about trying. You see? It's first about a new status that's given. And unless you understand that, you'll radically reorient yourself around a whole host of rules. You will burn out, and some of y'all know it. Some of you are ready to quit Christianity right now because you're so tired. And I want to say, there's living waters for you. Come to Jesus. Come see Him. Rest. Rest. And may RUF be a place where you can do that. Some people in this room know that deeply. They've walked through this room for four plus years. And they know what it's like. And you will find rest here for your souls. But that's not all that Jesus says. Jesus says as well, I want you to come and see something else. I want you to see your objections. Do you see this in verse, uh, in verse 46? Look with me there. Our objections. What do I mean? Well, do you see what Nathaniel says when Philip says, we found Jesus. Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And boom, right there you can pick it up, right? Can you smell it? Can you sense it? Can you sense the sarcasm and the cynicism in his voice? I mean, I'm from Middle Tennessee, um, and I'm trying to think of a small little podunk town in Tennessee, whatever that might be. And, uh, you know, also I might say, uh, uh, College Grove. Can anything good come out of College Grove? That's a small little one stoplight town. Now, I don't know what that is for you, but that's what Nathaniel's doing here. He's throwing somebody under the bus saying, saying, look, this guy can't be anything. And this is very important. Because what he is showing us is that Nathaniel is showing us that he has got a whole host of doubts and skepticisms that he is approaching Jesus with. But, and this is the beauty of it, Philip doesn't say, come on, Nate, just believe. Come on, just, what are you talking, you just got to have faith, man. No, what does he say? He says, come, come and see. Come investigate. Come bring those skepticisms. Come bring those objections, those doubts that you might have. Come bring them and see. You see, John is saying, no matter what your doubts, no matter what your hang-ups, etc., bring them to Jesus. He knows how to make sense of them. Come, investigate His claims. Search Him out. Some would say this. They would say, they're saying right now, maybe this is you. I, I get all that, Ryan. I get like, I get what you're saying. The verdict has been made for me. Jesus, great moral teacher, guru, tells you how to live life. God, eh, uh-uh. I'm not buying it. And I say, that is 
I get it. I do. I understand what you're saying. But I think that a guy named C.S. Lewis helps address this very issue. He did it uh, almost 50, 60 years ago in the mid-20th century in a book he wrote called Mere Christianity. And this is a bit of an extended quote. And he addresses this issue very, very concisely. See if you can follow along and uh, listen to what he has to say about even just one tiny objection about who Jesus is. He says this. He says, I'm trying here, I'm going to read a little bit then I'll come to this quote. He says, I'm trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, it is Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept him to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. And this is where you can turn your eyes to the screen. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is who he says he is, the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You uh, can shut him up for a fool. You can spit on him. And you can kill him as a demon. Or you can fall down on his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. And this is where the punch is. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Do you see what he's getting at? He's just trying to say, these objections can be worked through. Come, investigate. Come see your claims. Now, some of you might say, that's great, Ryan, but I've been a Christian for all these years, so I've got my mind settled up on these things. That's good for all those people out there who don't really call themselves Christians. And I want to say, that would be great except this. Are you ready? All the people in this story were all Bible believers. They were all folks who thought they had God figured out. You see what I'm saying? So there's a problem with that mindset. You see, here's what he's saying. These guys grew up with the Bible too. And what this means is, is that it's entirely possible for you to spend your whole life around God. You may even know the Bible backward and forward, but that doesn't mean you know Jesus in any life-saving way. That was me, y'all. That was me. That was me. I grew up around church all of my life. And as you may have heard, going to church your whole life doesn't make you a Christian any more than being in a garage makes you a car. You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? Have you dealt, have you dealt with the person of Jesus? John says, don't leave your objections at home. Bring them to me. Bring them to me. I can deal with these. And, and for you and your friends, Jesus can deal with us. So come, come and see. Listen, we're going to begin landing the plane here as we look at this last little point. Because what is that most important question? The most important question that remains, and that is, well, how do we know then that we're actually seeing rightly what's there that we now turn? Now, here it is. I'm holding the fork. I can't see it. How do I know that I'm seeing it, Right? I'm looking at the Milwaukee Brewers glove. I can't see the MB. How do I know that I'm actually seeing it? And it's now it's where John turns and he gives us utter life. He gives us an utter 
breath of fresh air by what he tells us here. It's amazing. Did you see that last interchange in the text? The one where Nathaniel has... Well, I mean, he has a come-to-Jesus moment when he comes to Jesus. That's kind of what happens. Jesus sees him walking his way, and he speaks to him, and he says, Nathaniel says to him, how, how did you know me? How did you know me? And Jesus responds, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. You know, Nathaniel's mind is blown in the moment, and he goes, whoa, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And right there, Nathaniel, y'all, he sees. He sees. He sees. Why? His eyes were opened. And what John is telling us is that the way that we actually come to see and the way that we know that we are seeing is that we have first been seen by Jesus. Do you see that? Let me explain. John wants you to see grace on display here. Nathaniel saw, but only because Jesus first saw him. This means that real seeing comes about by first being seen. Did you see it? The invitation is certainly, come and see. But Jesus, y'all, has sought. He's gone out and He has seen. He sees Nathaniel. To play the imagery, Jesus is the one who takes blind eyes and makes them see. He gives freely spiritual sight. It isn't something that they earned. It isn't something that He merited. It wasn't something they bought or purchased. It's something that was given by sheer grace. In fact, Jesus Himself takes up the very Old Testament prophet Isaiah's words and He says this. Listen to this. This is amazing. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the blind. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. And here it is. And the recovery of sight for the blind. Isn't that beautiful? That's what Jesus does for us. He takes our blind eyes and opens them up in a way that we are actually able to see. We're actually able to see what is true and what is real. I saw a YouTube video that made my eyes water not too long ago. Um, it's the story of uh, two sisters who were born, born blind. You can, go, you can go YouTube it. And all they knew was utter darkness. But they undergo a very simple operation. And the cameras are there when the bandages come off. And so there's these p- big pads over their eyes. And these girls are old enough to... Uh, They're old enough to walk and talk and the whole nine yards. And the one bandage comes across the the first girl's face like this. This still eyes still patched up. And this patch comes off with the bandage. And she looks out the eye like that and she goes. And then she the other one comes off. And she and she and her eyes are trying to fix in the room. She's never seen before. And she sees her mother. And then they cut to the shot of the other sister and the bandages come off and she begins to see too and it is beautiful it's utterly beautiful because these two girls can freaking see now and they can see their mama and they can see the world that they've been living in for all these years and they've never seen it before and I just simply share that with you to see this that that's what lies at the heart of Christianity that God is a God who goes out He seeks us out And He causes us to see. 
We don't earn it. We don't pay for it. It's merely a gift. That's what it is. So I want you to see this. How you understand, how you get sight is everything. It's everything. You see, John the Baptist, as we saw this here, John the Baptist mentions how we can know this very grace. He calls Jesus the Lamb of God. And if you were with us at all last semester as we were talking about Leviticus, you know that that is a reference to Jesus being the Passover Lamb, the one that was killed, whose blood was shed for the sins of the people being paid for. And do you know that Jesus is the great Passover Lamb, John is going to tell us, who takes away the sins of the world. And do you know that as He died, do you know that uh, what He suffered? Do you know what He suffered? Here it is. He suffered utter darkness. Utter darkness. Utter blackness. The equivalency of blindness. So much so that the sky, the Scriptures say, went black. And in so doing, God was bringing life and light. He was seeking and seeing you and me. And so, here it is. If you see, it is because you have first been seen. Listen to what an old hymn writer writes. It's beautiful. Beautiful piece of poetry here. They write this. This is an anonymous hymn. It says this. I sought the Lord. There's There's the language of seeking. And afterward I knew that He moved my soul to seek Him who was seeking me. You see that? It was not that it was not I that found, O Savior, true. No, I was found of Thee. Isn't that beautiful? That God goes out and seeks what is lost. It seeks what is blind and gives sight. And here's why I just want to land the plane. I simply want to say this. The thing that's right in front of our face, the thing that makes sense of everything, the very thing that John wants you and me to see is Jesus. He's the answer. He's the key that makes everything else fit. He's the key that makes everything understandable. If you've seen the movie, The Imitation Game, I saw that over the summer as well. It's a movie that stars Sherlock Holmes. And um, the story was about uh, decoding German messages in World War II so that uh, Britain could sort of know what Germany was doing. Um, And it was impossible to break until they found the key. And once they found the key, everything that they were trying to decode fell into place, it made sense, and it gave them the information that they needed to how to protect their ships and the whole nine yards. And I want you to see that Jesus Christ is the key to life itself. What was once jumbled is now made clear, not just about your life, but about what the God of the universe the Holy One who made it all, it's made clear of what He thinks of you. He delights in you. So, I just simply ask, do you see the smile of God for you writ large in the person of Jesus? You see, on the cross, that question was answered. And maybe you don't. Maybe you don't. Maybe you just see faint edges and things aren't quite clear yet. And I just want to say, if so, that's okay. I invite you to come back for the rest of the semester to come and see. To come and see. Let's pray.